0: My name is Kelly Tyan and welcome to Addicted to the Climb. Hey guys, welcome to the show. You are going to learn how I overcome adversity, hear from people just like you that have faced challenges but still keep climbing. Are you ready to elevate your life and choose your path? Let's do it together. Are you ready? Let's go. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I have such an exciting show for you all with an incredible powerhouse of a woman. So get ready to throw away all your excuses. Get them right out the window right now because once you hear her story and how she lives her life and works her business, you're going to be inspired in more ways than you can imagine. This woman just blew me away back in 2018 when I met her on stage at a conference, and I just can't wait to dive in. Her name is Rachel Luna. She is a best-selling author, a sales confidence and mindset strategist, and highly sought-after international speaker. She's a former U.S. Marine. She's 4'11", guys, but she's a firecracker and has a reputation for inspiring confident action and helping her clients double, triple, and quadruple their income. She's the host of the podcast, Real Talk with Rachel Luna, and she created numerous courses. She hosts live events throughout the year, including this year's Confidence Activated, which we'll dive into. She's an international speaker. Rachel has been invited to share her powerful talks all across the globe, from the US to Europe to Japan, and has been featured in the Huffington Post, Forbes, Success Magazine, and Latina Magazine, among many others. If you are looking for sales confidence, mindset mastery, and marketing strategies that will boost your revenue while building your legacy, Rachel Luna is your girl. So welcome on the show, Rachel. Hello.
1: Thank you so much for having me. What an intro.
0: Well, girl, you um, deserve all that, and you worked hard to get to where you are today. So I'm just so honored to have you today and just dive into. Thank your you. Day. Yes, I don't
1: know. I don't know that I worked that hard though.
0: <laughs> yes, I honestly, you.
1: don't. <laughs> I don't. I have always told myself a story that I'm lazy. I love a good shortcut. I if it's not fun, I definitely don't want to do it. And some of that mentality has served me well. Some of it has bitten me in the butt, but you know,
0: I love, here I love, we are. Yes, here we are. And see, for everyone listening, this girl is just so real. She's just a woman made of perseverance and accomplishment. And she's just like the rest of us. Sometimes she doesn't give herself enough credit, but she's hustling and she's on the climb of life. So I want to start with your story because... Rachel, I know life was not easy for you. I've heard your story and I want you to share it with my audience because right now somebody might be going through something and you might be that person to pull them out and get back on their climb. So start where you want, but take us further, you know, far enough back to your, you know, growing up in the hardship (laughs) you faced.
1: I mean, well, if we go back to the womb, I wasn't even wanted in the womb, right? And so I did not know this because my biological mother passed away when I was three and a half. She had AIDS, and my father was HIV positive. So when my biological mother passed away, my dad really struggled. He was a very high-functioning alcohol and drug abuser, so he could get blackout drunk, but then wake up the next day and, and still go to work and, and things like that. When I, about maybe six months after my mother died, he gave me up to my godmother. And I remember that being a really traumatic moment in my life. I remember the moment of my father walking out the door and I was in this bathtub and crying and begging him not to leave and he left. And it's not that I didn't see him after that, I did, but I didn't see him often. He didn't really look for me. Um, the only time we ever really spoke was if I called him. And that was because my godmother who I call mommy now. So my mommy would make me call him and she'd be like, call your father. And I'm like, no, why? He doesn't care about me. And she's like, because then they'll say that I didn't let you call. So you better call <laughs> um, call your dad. And then um, Growing up, I didn't know that he was sick. I didn't even know that my biological mother had passed away from AIDS. I thought she just died of natural causes. Well, my father ends up getting remarried to a woman who had a daughter. And that created a whole other story of I'm not good enough to be loved because my father would not pick me up on weekends or he'd say he was going to come and get me, but then not show up. And he would say he didn't have money. And I remember when he got remarried thinking, but how do you have money for that little girl? How come she could live with you? And we'll get, maybe we'll get into the distinction between the stories that we tell ourselves and the facts of what's actually occurring in life. But right away I had all these stories. And one day I was visiting a very rare occurrence. I was visiting and we were playing outside in the front stoop in the Bronx, New York. And his wife says to the neighbor, just the way you and I are casually talking, oh yeah, her mom, her mom died of AIDS. And I remember I stopped playing. I said, no, she didn't because I had the birth certificate. You have to remember back in 1983, they didn't even know what to call it. And they didn't put it on the birth certificate because at that time, I mean, excuse me, on the death certificate. Because if you put it on the death certificate, they wouldn't embalm the body. So they didn't They just didn't know. So I said, no, I have the death certificate. And it was like life shattering. And then there was another occurrence where my, my godmother ends up telling me the story. of like, you know, your mom almost aborted you because she already had three sons and she was so scared you were gonna be a boy. But I told her not to. I told her that was her little girl, that was Rachel. And your mom said to me, if it's a your boy, you're taking it. So, I, I didn't know this growing up, but since then, I do believe that a lot of what happens to us, even while we're in the womb, affects and shapes us like through epigenetics, right? So, I came into this world already feeling unwanted, already feeling abandoned. Then, the subsequent actual manifestation of losing my biological mother losing my father, it was just reinforcing this idea, this story, this belief, no one loves me, everyone abandons me, whatever, whatever, whatever. It wasn't until years later, just doing all kinds of personal development work. And in the interim, in those years, I had two eating disorders, I struggled with bulimia and anorexia really bad. Then I became an alcoholic. When my father died, I went on a downward spiral. And I was very promiscuous. I was just trying, I was on a path of self-destruction, but I was looking for something, right? So it wasn't until years later, doing a lot of different work, reading the books, going to therapy, having bosses tell me that I was sabotaging myself, having relationships with married men, having, you know, relationships with unavailable guys that had girlfriends, um even not having relationships but just being like you know the screw buddy my friends with benefits i had a lot of friends with benefits because i felt so unworthy i felt so unworthy of love so unwanted and i just kept hearing those stories well years later my godmother tells me a story i said how come you never adopted me like you just let me keep this man's last name he never was around and I never was really part of the family, which was a lie. I was so welcomed by my godmother's family. Like, first of all, every time I tell this story, she gets mad because she's my mother, right? But for the purpose of the story, I have to keep making this distinction. But she's not. She's my mother. Everyone in that family welcomed me like their own. But because I was so wrapped up in my story... I was like, I'm, never, I'm not really part of the family. That's bull, right? So first of all, let, let's just pause on my story and let's take a look to examine our own stories. What are the lies that we are telling ourselves? Like what lie have you been telling yourself? What story are you living your life from? For me, it was several, but at the end of the day, it was, I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy No one loves me. Everyone I love leaves me. Blase, blase, blah. So I asked my mom, why didn't you adopt me? And she says, I tried to adopt you. I had a meeting with your father and I went all the way down to the courthouse and he never showed up. And in those days, there was no such thing as a cell phone. I mean, we were, we didn't even have cordless phone at that time. I'm really dating myself right now, but I, I, you know, I, I know that for some people, it's a world without a cell phone is unimaginable. So she said, it when there were no phones at that time, so I waited and I waited and I waited. And finally, I went home in the evening when the sun set and I called him and he said, I'm so sorry. I just can't give her up. So even though she had told me that story, I still didn't get it. I just thought, oh, what a coward, right? Because I was so angry. I was so harboring all this resentment. Well, when I started to do more and more work, guess what I realized? No, he loved me so much. His belief system was that if I sign these adoption papers, I'm going to lose her. I'm going to give her up. I'm going to abandon him. I'm going to abandon her. I can't abandon my baby. So his version of abandonment and my version of abandonment were so different So here's another point right there. It's like our perception is reality. My perception of my father was that he didn't love me, that he was a coward, that he had abandoned me. His perception was as long as I don't give her up for adoption, I've never abandoned her. I've never given her up. I've never let her go. So this is a great opportunity where we get to self reflect. And that is where I've been able to grow the most. That's where I've been able to make the biggest impact is in becoming aware of the lies and the stories that I'm telling myself, the distorted perception I have of different circumstances. When I've worked through all of that, it's allowed me to be a better coach, a better mother, a better wife, a better friend, a better human being. And I'm really passionate about helping people realize that For many of us, the underlying story is some variation of I'm not good enough. And
0: I want to ask you something because you're hitting so many points in your pain that you faced, your heartache, everything you went through. It's unimaginable to to some people. Okay, Mm -hmm. and then there's the ones that can relate to you and have been through that and Rachel you just completely transformed your belief system in yourself and that's not easy and you were young so I just want you to take us through some of the exact things you mm. actually do because there are people listening right now that are suffering and going through similar situations as you do. you froze
1: I think you should turn off your video. Are you there? I'm here. I hear you now. Okay. So yeah. If you turn off your video, it'll help us. Okay. Sometimes that happens. I don't know why. And I'm going to close out a bunch of things on the background too. Okay. Okay. So take take you through.
0: So take us through, you know, the steps that you've taken To really work on your belief system because when you have all those stories in your mind, sometimes they're that you can't see past them, and people don't know where to start and they're sinking, they can't even see the light, the day, the daytime. So, how did you? You've been through so much in that story you just told. I mean, there were so many parts to that story, but you completely transformed your belief system, and I know that's hard to do so. How, where was the starting point for you?
1: Oh, well, I think it's interesting that you're asking, like, where was the starting? And, and a lot of people ask me, what was your rock bottom moment? And people are always looking for what was the defining moment. And I like to remind people that there are very rarely just one defining singular moment. It's moments. And I had a lot of them. And I believe that you continue to have these defining moments until you finally get it, until you can no longer take the pain of whatever you're in and you finally are willing to say, I cannot live in this pain any longer, so I'm willing to experience the pain of change. So one of the very first defining moments for me was in college. I went to Penn State. My father had passed away, I was really, as I mentioned previously, on a downward spiral. I was drinking and, and all the things. And I got so blackout drunk that when I woke up, I was in a pool of my own vomit in the bathroom. And I began to use my bare hands to scoop it up and throw it in the, 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 the bowl, And I remember in that moment, I don't know why I would just remember that moment so vividly, like, this is not right. I don't, this is not how I'm supposed to live my life. God didn't create me to get blackout drunk and to pick up my own throw up. This is disgusting. And then after I had that moment of awareness, I passed out. (laughs) I fell asleep right there. So when I woke up in the morning, I was shaking And if you have ever, if you've ever struggled with alcoholism, then you know what I'm talking about. I had the shakes. If you've never, what the shakes are is when you've had so much to drink, now your body is in withdrawal and you're shaking because you've been on whatever you've been for so long, the body doesn't recognize like, uh uh-oh, something's wrong. So I see a bottle of Malibu rum and I think to myself, you know what? I, I think I need a shot. I take a shot and the shakes go away. And that's when I knew like, uh-oh, I have a problem here. That's not right. You, you should not be feeling this way. So I went to AA and I went and I saw my guidance counselor. At this time I was failing all my, my classes and I told her, I think I have a problem. I explained to her what happened and we made a deal. She said, I'll talk to all your teachers. I'll get you extensions, but you have to go to AA. Every week, you have to get this paper signed by every teacher. You have to go to every class, and they have to sign. If you miss a class, the deal is off the table. If they say you're not turning in your homework, the deal is off the table. And I ended up spending a summer at Penn State doing 23 credits in a six-week session. Like my whole life was school at that time. But I did it. I graduated. I. Did, did the whole AA thing. And you would think that that would be it. That would be the moment when I turned my whole life around. But no, because once I got control of alcohol, I had to find something else to be addicted to. So then I really became, you know, everyone's girl. And not everyone's girl. Like I haven't slept with hundreds of guys or anything like that, but I was just choosing wrong relationships. And I um, went into the Marine Corps I had some relationships there that were just kind of like, you know, friends with benefits. Then I started dating this guy who tells me he's separated. We spend three years together on and off and I come to find out he's like happily married. That was another rock bottom defining moment because I remember thinking like, God, this is not who I was created to be. There's gotta be something better than this. And that was always the question there's gotta be something better than this. Now, here's the thing, because you can have a great life and think, I think I want the next level. The next level is different than there's gotta be something better than this. Does that make sense, Kelly?
0: Yes, yes.
1: Okay, so for me, I kept saying, there's gotta be something better than this. And it took a lot, of, a lot more trial and error. I'd make incremental improvements but I honestly, I think the biggest change was having my daughter. Because you your daughter,
0: did you have your daughter at that point after you and that man separated?
1: No, um, I had my daughter a couple years after that. I met my husband. We didn't get married. We had a baby first, and then we got married. But that, even then, I was very adamant. Like I'm not going to marry you just because I had a baby. If we get married, it's because we love each other and we want to be married and we want to have a family, not because we got pregnant and now you feel like you owe me something. Um, when the whole relationship with that guy ended, uh, I just kind of took, that was when I took some time to self-reflect. I hired a life coach. I lost some weight because I, I, at this point I'm in the Marine Corps, but I'm battling with my weight. It's yo-yoing. I'm getting in trouble at work because my boss was a sexist pig, and even though I was within the height and weight standards of the Marine Corps, he pulled me into his office and he said, "I would give you better scores if you were thinner. If you lost ten pounds, you'd look so much better." And I remember thinking, "Like, there's got to be something better than this. There's got to be something better than this." Um, So I started to get my life together in that regard. By the time I met my husband, I had been journaling. And journaling is a big, big practice of mine. Like if you're looking for a a tactical step, a practical, it's this. I really believe in journaling, journaling to manifest your reality. Um, I have a program called the Faith Activated Journaling Experience where that's exactly what we talk about every single day for an entire year is like journaling, journaling, journaling. I have been journaling that I was healthy, that I you know, was 115 pounds, that I found the man of my dreams, that we got married, that we had two children. And in one of my journals, I had cut out a picture of a guy in uniform and this woman in a beautiful white dress with a mantilla. And a mantilla is a, a veil that they use in Spain. And, and in the picture, there were two little stick figures of two little girls. And I put these images in my journal and I ended up meeting my husband.
0: Wow. this is And
1: here we are. Oh, go ahead. Sorry.
0: No, this is an unbelievable story because I speak about having a vision and it seems like you just had a vision, a strong vision of what you wanted in writing it down, brought it to life. But I'm sure there had to be a lot of action that you took to bring it to life.
1: Yeah. Well, and here's the thing. You said something interesting that I want to make sure I point out. You said you had such a strong vision. I, at the time, if you would have said to me, you have such a strong vision, I would have said, no, I don't have a strong, like, these are just kind of things I want. I, I, and even people say that to me all the time, like your vision is so strong. I still, to this day, don't believe that the vision is so strong. The faith is strong. The vision is amenable, right? The vision changes regularly. The faith that whatever I'm seeing in the moment is possible and will manifest, that is unshakable.
0: Amen, Rachel. I love that. I love that. I
1: want to make sure I make that distinction because I know that there are people out there who feel like my why isn't big enough. It's not strong enough. Or I know that I want something, but I can't see the thing. And it's not that you can't see it. It's that it's probably so big, it scares you. So every time you try to get a glimpse of it, your subconscious, your ego is like, no, we're going to fail if we try that. Oh, my God, don't go there. right? Like all the alarms go off in our head. Eight. So I want to give you that uh, permission. It's okay if you don't see the vision clearly. It's okay if you don't have a super strong why. Just the fact that you know you want something different is enough.
0: Hmm. Absolutely. And you face that fear head on, but you take your faith and your faith has to be the strongest part.
1: Mm -hmm. Your
0: belief in your faith and what you want to accomplish. I love that how you explain that because we speak about vision a lot and people say, well, I don't even know if I have a vision. Well, do you have faith in yourself? I think that's where everything stems from. And it seems that you built this faith in yourself over the years because you were told no, you were told you're not wanted. And, you know, everything you went through was just extremely difficult, but that faith pulled you through. Did you have faith as a little girl or did you build on your faith as you got older?
1: Well, I was raised believing in God. I was raised to believe in God. Okay. I was raised to believe in Jesus. I was raised to believe these things, but I really struggled with my faith growing up because I could not understand if God is so loving and cares so much, why would God take my mother? If God is so great, why would all my brothers and sisters, so, because I have um, five other siblings and I wasn't raised with any of them. I was raised with two um, siblings from my godmother, but you know what I mean? Like, And I and my siblings, my biological siblings, they lived in really, really tough economical situations. And meanwhile, I lived in a middle class, upper middle class. Like we had dance lessons and private schools and, and travel and things like that. Meanwhile, my brothers were living in poverty, like extreme poverty. So my whole thing was like, if God is so good, why is this happening? And one thing that I remember talking to a pastor about, I said, listen, I don't know if, I don't know if I'm good enough to go to church. I don't know if I belong here because I have a lot of doubts. Like I'm not so sure about this God guy. And I'm definitely not sure about Jesus because some of these stories you want me to believe, I'm, I'm not available for it. And he said, I think that's good. You definitely belong here. You should question your faith. You should ask questions. He said, and I hope that the more questions you ask, the more you'll read the Bible and and not just read the Bible, but read commentaries from people that study, that have been studying this, that not only studied the Bible, but studied what was going on in those times. Because you know, Kelly, it's interesting. If you just read the Bible for face value, you're going to miss a lot. Mm -hmm. But if you read the commentaries, and if you look up um, what was actually customary in that time, and then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, wow, like, okay, that's actually deep. Like, for example, in the prodigal son, where it talks about how the dad um, ran across the field, well, in those days, they wore these big robes. So it was like a huge thing for his father to pick up his robes and run across the field to demonstrate how much he loved him. And that's like a very small nuance. But anyway, so, so this guy was like, go ahead. It's okay to question your faith. Well, as soon as someone gave me permission to question everything in my life, I felt like the world expanded. And this is one of the reasons why, again, journaling is so important to me, why I have faith activated is because I'm always questioning everything I trust, but I verify. I'm questioning what do I believe in, why? And then to go back to the beginning of this question, where did the faith come from? When I started to realize that, look, God is always on our side, but we are not against ourselves. We're not against God. We're against like principality. There's a whole spiritual realm out there. And there are other things at play besides just God. And the reason why God lets things happen is because God gave us free will. Look, the reality is that my mom and dad, they did a lot of questionable things. And there are consequences for every action. There is a response. Sometimes we see it in the, in the now. Sometimes we see it decades later. What I realized was that why my mom was allowed, like, why did God let that happen? Because God had me marked for a better life. And there's no way my biological mother was going to give me the life that my mother gave me. Because my biological mother and my father lived in poverty, extreme poverty, my biological mother was a fighter. She was always angry. She was always yelling. And I probably would have been knocked up at like 12 living over there. You know what I mean? Like I can only imagine.
0: Mm. So I, mm. you, you just, you've built so much confidence in yourself though, over the years. And for someone listening in and hearing everything that you've just you know, talked about, you're now girl confident And that's your, that's your AKA Rachel Luna is Girl Confident. And from what you came from, how did you even start building confidence to start a business? And what are those action steps that you took? Because I want to make sure we talk about that from everything you have been through and, you know, building faith in yourself. How did you take that step to try to think here, I'm going to go lead other women and start a business?
1: Okay. So first of all, I never thought, here I am. I'm going to go lead other women. So leadership was never a thought. It was always, I'm going to help people because I want people to heal. I am a healer. That is what my purpose on this earth is to do is to heal other people and to help them set themselves free. However, that is packaged in a lot of different ways. How I look at Well, what is the person hurting from? Some people need healing from finances. Some people need healing from identity. Some people need healing from health, right? And I've just overcome triple negative breast cancer. So I always knew that I was just here to help. I'm a servant first before anything. I did not have confidence to start the business. I had ignorance. (laughs) I just thought, why not? Like, this seems fun. I didn't know enough going into it
0: what I was getting
1: myself into. I didn't realize the work up ahead of me. And so I think that there's something really beautiful and special about not knowing. Because if you don't know, then you don't realize what's at stake. The more, the longer I've been in business, the scarier it's gotten. Because now, you know, a few people people know me, right? I mean, I'm not a million follower person, but I have enough of a following that when something doesn't work, everybody sees. Now my failures are on display. Whereas in the beginning, if I launched the course and it didn't sell, nobody knew me. So it was no big deal. So the longer you get in there, the the more confidence you need to (laughs) cultivate. But I like to tell people that action and knowledge breed confidence. So the more you know and the more you take, the more action you take, the more confident you're going to feel. But if you don't know anything and you at least take action, you're going to feel more confident. So don't worry if there's someone listening who's like, I need another certification. I need another this, or I need to study, or I need my website to like, no, you don't. The only thing you really need to start a business is you have to know what problem you want to solve. You have to know who has that problem. And that's it. And then you just got to go create an offer that solves that problem for someone. I like to tell people to make sure that they have some sort of framework, a signature system. So for example, like I've been talking about Faith Activated, right? In the faith-activated journaling experience, we have the faith, the three-step faith-activated journal method, right, shift, script. I teach you how to do those three steps so that you can manifest more in less time with better results. When people come to my event, Confidence Activated, I always teach from a framework. Last year, I taught how to scale a business using the scale model. You need a signature offer. You need content that converts and what took them down the line. This year, we're doing the life-activated method because I want them to know that it's not just about business. It's about business and life. And how do you create a life that supports your business? And how do you create a business that supports your life? How do we make that interchangeable? How do we make that cohesive? So there's always a framework. If you can, and I know that there's someone listening who's like, but I don't know. I, don't, I can't come up with the framework. I don't know is not an answer. It's a filler statement. You just need to sit and allow yourself time to think. So the way that I've always come up with my frameworks is I ask myself, okay, how did I do it? What were the steps? And don't worry about putting the steps in order yet. Just think like, what did I do? When I, um, a girlfriend of mine one time asked me, she said, Rachel, you're so connected. Like, you know, all these A players. How do you do, how did you do that? And by the way, at the time, Like I had the smallest list. I was such an unknown, but I was friends with a lot of people who were massively known. And I looked at her and I was like, I don't know. It just happened. Then she goes, oh, no, no, no. It doesn't just happen. There's always a process. We just have to think. So I started to think like, okay, how do I connect with A players? Well, I buy their courses. I do the work. I'm really present, I support them. I'm always like sharing their stuff. I'm active in their community. I always send in my testimonial because I always wanna be a case study. Like if I buy a course, I wanna be a case study. If I'm not gonna give myself the opportunity to be a case study, then it's not worth the investment. And I think that you should go in and approach things. Now I know there's gonna be someone who's so ripped in fear and, and who thinks that she can never be the case study. I'm gonna tell you right now, you might not think that your story is a case study, but someone else out there short I was like, whenever people ask me to tell my story, like you, Kelly, honestly, when you said, "I just want you to share your story," in the back of my mind, I'm like, "But there's nothing tangible in my story. Like, let me teach them sales." Or let me, in my mind, I always want to teach something because I, it's my story. I lived it. It's so basic to me. But then you said something in the course of the interview of like, some people can't even imagine going through everything you went through. Whereas I'm like, what do you mean? It wasn't that bad, but it was that bad. It's just that I've healed from it. Right. So I just want you to know, if you're listening out there, you go, you um, you become a testimonial and then I go to live events. I always, 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 if there's a, an A player con- person of interest that I want to connect with, if they have a live event, I go to their events. Brendan Burchard, Shalene Johnson, um, who, uh, I mean, there's Todd Herman. There's so many people that I have worked with personally, have gotten endorsements from James Wedmore, Amy Porterfield, who's had me on her podcast twice. All these people that have endorsed me is because I get, I buy whatever they're selling. I make a name for myself in their community I show up at their event. I go VIP or as close to as possible. Nowadays, I only go VIP. Back in the day when the budget was, I I would get whatever ticket I could get, but then I would sit as close to VIP as I possibly could because that's where the people,
0: the movers and shakers sit up front. Um, I, just, let's talk, I want you to stop and talk about your live event. So everybody can oh. find out a little bit about that, because I know this is how many, what year will this be for you?
1: Well, this I've been doing live events for probably four years now, but they've always been very small. So always like 10, 15, the most 50 up until last year, last year we had 200 come to confidence activated in Atlanta This year, we are opening up the room, and we're going to bring 350 into the room in Atlanta once again, and it's just, there's nothing that can replace being in the room, and I am a course creator, and I, I have courses, and I have masterminds, and I do love the online incubator that we get to create, but I will tell you right now where you make the best connections where you get the biggest opportunities is when you meet people in person there's something about knowing like oh you're a real human being okay all of a sudden your credibility rises arises exponentially so it's june 5th through 7th in atlanta if you're listening i would love for you to come and get in the room with me because at this event I don't just motivate you and t- like inspire you. Like, that's great, but that's not gonna transform you. That's just gonna give you enough excitement to maybe do one thing. What I do is I do impartations. I actually help you transform. So here's the difference between inspiration and impartation. And I just shared this on Instagram the other day. When you inspire someone, you get them to do something. But when you impart into someone, you get them to be, you help them be the person that they need to be so that they can keep doing things over and over and over again, even if they don't feel inspired, even if they don't feel motivated, even if they're in the, you know, the bottom of the toilet, right? Because that's the goal. The goal is to be able to do things consistently, even when you don't feel like it. And the only way that happens is if you become the type of individual who can silence out the fears, who can take walks in faith, who can move with confidence, who can take inspired, confident action, even if they don't necessarily feel confident in themselves. And that is the work that we do in the room in Atlanta.
0: I couldn't agree with you more because I am a major advocate of you know, live events, being in person, everything you just said. I mean, that's where I met you. If I wasn't there and didn't see you and, you know, feel your vibes in person, maybe you wouldn't have been on the show today. So I really do. I love live events. I hosted my own last year called Level Up Boston, doing another one this year. And I just think people need to be in the room. That's what great growth Exactly. So I love that you're putting this event on. And for all of you guys that are listening, check it out. You know, buy a ticket if you can take a girl trip because yes. your life can change. I agree, Rachel. Your life can change.
1: And wait, when is this going to air?
0: This will be in a couple weeks. Um, your event is coming up in May.
1: Yeah, because we have the... Um... If they use the code BOLD, they can save 50%.
0: Ooh. Yeah. Okay. Okay. We'll make sure we, I write that in the show notes. So if you buy your ticket, we'll put her link up there and the code will be BOLD. I love that. Thank you.
1: Yes, of course.
0: Uh, So Rachel, before we do, you know, come to the end of this interview, I want to talk. You're not only a breast cancer Survivor, you're a businesswoman Mm -hmm. and you are a mother and you're managing a lot. And I know there are times when you must get overwhelmed with being one of those three titles (laughs) or all of them. And there's a lot of moms listening right now (laughs) that are running businesses or have a career. Um, What advice can you give them when they want to quit or give up or they feel they can't go on anymore? Mm. Give us a couple tips.
1: Okay. Well, first of all, when you want to give up or you want to quit, just ask yourself why. So why do I want to quit? Why do I want to give give up? Is it because it's hard? Is it because I'm not making money? Is it because I just genuinely don't want to do this anymore? I want to do something else. You have to figure out like why you want to quit. If you just, if you want to give up because it's getting hard, then you have to ask yourself, am I really cut out for entrepreneurship? Because entrepreneurship is a challenge. There are some days where it is just a walk in the park. There are those days. I, I love those days. They are not off, they're not a lot, right? Most, in my opinion, in my experience, entrepreneurship is a roller coaster ride. And some days are amazing. Some days are really like, oh my gosh, just the day over. But at the end of the day, I love the risk. I love the reward. I love the excitement. I love the uncertainty. If you are someone who really craves certainty, then you are probably not cut out for entrepreneurship, and that's okay. What I would recommend you do is find a business that allows you to work from home so that you can feel like an entrepreneur without the insecurity and instability, so, for example, my friend, Bella Verita, she has the Align Sales Agency. She teaches women how to do sales calls from home. And they easily make six figures a year working 30 hours a week on doing sales calls. They work from home. They have that kind of flexibility. But she brings them all the clients. So maybe that's suited for you. If you're the type of person that is thinking like, no, I I don't mind... Um, the, the, the lack of security. I don't mind that. It's just that nothing I'm working, nothing I'm doing is working. And I feel like it's never going to work. Well, then that sounds to me like you need a coach. You need someone, you need a mastermind, a coach. You should get in the room at my event or Kelly's event and let us support you so that we can figure out and troubleshoot what's not working. Because what I have found in almost nine years now of doing this is that. When things are not working, it's usually just one thing, one element that needs a tweak. It might be the messaging. It might be the copy. It might be your visibility. It's very rarely everything. And even if it is everything, so what? That's what the rebrand is all about. Rebrand it, baby. Repackage it and keep it going. As a matter of fact, I talked about this the other day on Instagram stories. I was so mad about these Oreo cookies because it said like, extra stuffed or something like that. It looked like it was better than the double stuffed Oreos. Do you remember the double stuffed Oreos? Of
0: course, but not really for all my characters in my fitness program.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, right? So we opened the package. Guess what it is? It's a freaking double stuffed Oreo. And my daughter and I were like, wait, what? All they did was repackage, rebrand, and people were buying them because the curiosity, the interest, the intrigue. Now, the cookies still tasted good. I don't know because I don't eat any of that stuff anymore, honestly, but my kids enjoyed them nevertheless. The whole point is like you can always rebrand. And then um, if you feel like giving up, just ask yourself, if I'm not going to do this, then what am I going to do? What do I want? And if you don't have an answer to that yet, keep going.
0: Mm, Exactly. I think people just get stuck at times. And I hear it all the time. You know, feel unmotivated, stuck. But I think it's sitting and journaling and asking yourself those hard questions. Yeah. Here's the thing Mm -hmm.
1: motivation is a temporary state of emotion. Mm -hmm. I am not people, it's so funny. People look at me because I'm energetic and they think, oh my gosh. You're so, how do you stay so motivated? And I look at them like, what are you talking about? I'm not, I am rarely, it's such a rare day that I wake up like motivated to go, heck no. Like, and, and on those days I announce it to everybody cause it's such a rare thing. I'm like, today's the day I woke up. I don't know where it came from, but I'm excited. I'm gonna run with it. Every other day I have to journal. I have to listen to praise and worship music. I have to read personal development or watch some, you know, you can do it video on Instagram or do a a prayer meditation. I'm not naturally motivated. I have figured out what gets me primed to be my best. So you have to figure out how can you prime yourself every morning to take action. And I also do coffee enemas, which are fantastic. If you feel really down in the dump, get you a coffee enema,
0: you'll be good. That sounds scary
1: <laughs> it, I thought it was scary in the beginning too, but it's actually so many health benefits as well but wow. anyway that's one of my my crazy things I'm doing as I'm healing uh, breast cancer, so never mind that part
0: <laughs> I, I love I love what you just said because I think you guys if what if you take anything from this interview, I want you to hear Rachel puts in the work if she's lacking in an area if her you know self, if her motivation's not there, she does something about it. So if you're sitting there right now and you're not motivated or you're stuck or whatever you're going through in life, put some work into that specific area and do something about it. Take that step forward because guess what? If you don't, you're going to be in the same place in one week from today. And you're going to be saying the same thing. Rachel is a woman of action. She perseveres. She has a strong faith. And I think she has a strong faith in herself. And she just keeps on climbing. So I just appreciate you so much, Rachel. You're a blessing. And um, I want to know what you're climbing because my show is Addicted to the Climb. So mm-hmm. what are you climbing towards in your life or career? business? Oh. This-
1: Oh, everything, I want it all. And I believe that I can have it all. So I'm climbing towards everything on the on the personal front. I am always climbing towards more intimacy and connection with my family, my children, my husband. And I think that we use, we hear the word intimacy and we think that intimacy is reserved for the bedroom but that's not what it is at all, right? Intimacy is having true connection Um, being able to look your children in the eyes and having eye contact conversations with them and knowing them, knowing what, not just how their day went, but knowing what are they afraid of? What are their limiting beliefs? What are they excited about? What are their secret dreams? So I'm, I'm always trying to have more of that with my children in the business. I am building a multi-million dollar media empire, and I'm excited about that my events. I am so excited about the 350 people that we're going to welcome in the room. And listen, if you are listening and we are strangers, definitely come, get in the room, let's meet and, and let me help you heal and set free, set yourself free. And then um, I'm climbing writing my next book. Yay. Wow. Congratulations. I can't wait.
0: I'm super excited for this.
1: Thank you. So that, yeah, those are, those are the things.
0: So Rachel, where can people find you if they want to connect?
1: I say, come and visit me first and foremost at confidenceactivated.com and grab your ticket, use the code word bold, and you'll save 50%. That's the best place we can connect. The second best place is my favorite social media playground, Instagram. I'm at girl confident. I'm on the other places. I have a website, but where we really get to chat. And I'm in my, Kelly knows I'm in my DMs. I personally respond is on Instagram. So meet me over there at girl
0: confident. Awesome. Thanks so much. And I just truly appreciate you and everything you're doing for all the people that you're, you know, in space with. So reach out to Rachel, you guys, DM her for any questions And feel free to tag us both if you love this episode. And I so appreciate you all listening to this. And leave me a review if you loved it. Have a great day, you guys. I look forward to seeing you next week. Thanks, Rachel. Bye if you love this episode make sure you guys tag me and because i appreciate you all so much i am offering you 10 percent off my course addicted to the climb you can find that on my website kellytyan.com make sure to spell it k-e-l-l-e-y-t-y-a-n until the next time keep on climbing